Lord for the, the girls giving their life to Christ like that. Uh, that happened on the, the, the last, on the Friday. And they come in here and we took care of it. And dad got to baptize both of them. That was great. And uh, on, on top of that, we had just had a great time together. And I want to I thank all of you guys for helping put everything together. It took us a few weeks to get things organized and get it all up on the wall. And some of y'all come up here and painted on the wall down there and hung up decorations. And it's, it takes the whole church to make it happen like that. And uh, when we do that, uh, the Lord uh, blesses us in great ways. Yeah, I'd like to make a comment about that. Go ahead. Nobody will ever know the importance of what's going on this week. Yep. That, I've still got a certificate in 1950 from where Lawrence Ogme taught me Bible school. Right. That's 73 years ago. Yep. And I can still remember it. And these kids right here have got a state plan Amen. that they'll remember. Amen. That's what it's all about. Good. I'm pretty sure that most everybody here in this congregation had a part in that in some way or another. And I know all of you have been praying over the VBS program. So we just give God the glory and continue to reach out to whatever the children we have around here and ask the Lord to bring more along the way. And, and most importantly, right in this moment, because them girls gave her life to Christ, they need, they need all your prayers now. Because the Lord, the Lord has them and Satan ain't liking it. That's true for anybody that gets saved. So just so you know, that's what VBS happened and it's been a great week. Uh, we're going to give him the glory and today we're going to talk about worship. So children, if you guys want to go down the hall, you can. You can stay here if you want to. It's all up to you. I keep telling them girls we're going to get some boys in this church one day and they keep, they keep rejecting that idea. Them girls know how to have fun, I'll tell you that. They had a competition on the slide out there. Who could scream the loudest on the way down? And they just kept going right back up and down, up and down, screaming. And I know all the neighbors are like, what in the world? No, Pam didn't scream. She, she went up there a few times, but she wasn't screaming. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go into John chapter 4 this morning and talk about worship because uh, we, we recently talked about giving God the glory. We recently talked about uh, how Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. And we ought to be ready for that. And we ought to be busy about the Lord's business. It wasn't so long ago that we uh, studied a series in chapter 12 of Romans and talked about the Christian life and, and, and some important parts of the Christian life. One of them being offering your life as an act of worship the way you live, and offering yourself as a sacrifice to that, which we're going to talk about this morning. You know, it's easy to worship God when great things happen like this VBS just did, isn't it? It's easy to just walk around on cloud nine praising the Lord for all the great things, and we should. The, the hard part is when, when things aren't so great in your life or things aren't so great uh, in some part of the world, and you're just overwhelmed by either grief or sorrow or concern or whatever emotion you want to put behind it. And it's hard to stay in that place of praising God. It's not that I don't believe it's not that we don't want to praise God. It's just that we're overwhelmed by some different emotions at times. The Christian life is to be a life of worship. Period. That's the way 
of life for the Christian. That's who we are. That's what we were saved to do, to worship God and bring glory to him in all times, in all ways. In the hardest of times and in the greatest of times. We're going to look at John chapter four in a little bit. First, I want to do before I even get to my first point, I want to just remind you, or maybe you haven't read this part, but you may have. Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13 simply says, the people come near to me. It says, God said, the people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's an attention. That's what I call an attention getter in the Bible for two reasons. One, because it says the Lord said, and anytime the Bible says the Lord said, we should, it should get our attention. Okay, what did God say? And you would think when it says the Lord said, we should get excited. Oh, we're going to hear from God. But this particular time in verse 13 of chapter 29 in Isaiah says the people come near to me with their mouth and, and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I, I, wonder, I wonder how many times... Like if we could just get a preview of what God's going to say ahead of time, then we would show up for the good stuff and be absent for the bad stuff. And I don't think that we would even intentionally be that way. It's just our nature. That's just how we are. You see, worship, y'all, it's not just a Sunday morning, 11 a.m. or whatever time church starts, wherever anybody lives. That's not really what worship is all about during that one hour. That's what we do. It's part of what we do. It's part of the worship of the believer. It's part of the life of the believer, but it's not all there is to it. Think about how many hours there are in one full week, seven days. And all we have to offer him is one of those in worship. It's a heart check, isn't it? What, what happens here on Sunday morning in every other church that's worshiping God on Sunday morning or any other day, any other time, what happens there is, a, is fruit of what's going on in our hearts all throughout the week, every other hour of the week, every other moment of our lives. And I don't know about y'all, but all throughout this week, We've been in here and we've been ministering to the kids. We've been ministering to one another. We've been letting God do what God is doing. And you could see the Lord working in the eyes of the people that were here. And I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to really sit down with a person and share with them what the gospel message is all about and say to them, this is what sin is. And this is what the problem of it is. And this is what Jesus did about it. And you get an opportunity to repent. You get an opportunity to choose Jesus. You, you can say no to sin and yes to God. I, I don't know how many times you get to do that with somebody in the world, but that's what it's all about. Every time I get a chance to do that and I can, I can feel the Spirit of God working in that person. I'm sitting right there next to them. I'm looking at them in their eyes. Not just these little girls. They're included. 
But everybody, anytime I get an opportunity to sit down with somebody, look them in the eye and tell them that truth, as plain as I know how to tell it to them. Sometimes you just have to look at somebody and say, do you want God or not? Do you love him or not? Do you want to be baptized? Do you want to repent? Do you want to be saved? You have to ask them the question so they can say yes or no. And when you get somebody to that place or God gives you that opportunity and they're ready and the Lord's worked with them for so long and they're at that place where they know what's right and what's wrong and they know what they want and what they don't want. I felt bad for them girls for a moment because the spirit of God had convicted them so badly that they had to throw themselves at the feet of Jesus. That's what I saw this week. And I was overjoyed about it because I knew what was coming. I knew that they knew what to do about it because we've told them, their parents have told them, we've told them down there in the hallway, we've been teaching them over and over again about the gospel. Finally, to the Lord was able to work in their heart in such a way that they would choose the right thing. And it's amazing. It's amazing, y'all. And ever since all of that happened, I've been praising the Lord ever since. At home, driving to and from, talking to people, talking to other preachers I know. Because they see it on Facebook that somebody got saved and they're all over there in other parts of the world going, praise the Lord for y'all. And what the Lord's doing. That's worship. That's what worship is. That's what worship is. It's not something that I'm necessarily doing. It's not something that y'all are necessarily doing. It's what Jesus is doing in our own hearts. It's coming out of us because the love we have for Jesus, because the love we have for people, because we just witnessed two more get saved. Isn't that great? Y'all are, I know y'all are excited because once it come up on that video, y'all were like, Woo-hoo! clapping and, and all that. It moves us, doesn't it? When people get saved, because that's what we really want. Amen. And we live in that excitement and we live in that activity of the spirit of God in our own lives. Not because anything happened directly to me. These little girls, they gave themselves to the Lord just like the rest of us. And I'm super excited about that. And I'm, I'm excited because I got to witness what, what God did in another person's life. Y'all, that's, that right there is why I stopped truck driving to go preach. That right, that's all it is. Because if ain't nobody going to get saved and nobody cares about what this preacher's got to say, then I'll just go back truck driving. But I know as long as we keep preaching the message and we keep loving people, and keep giving them opportunities to make decisions, God will have his way. So we got to worship, y'all. It's worship. It's real worship. It's a real worship on Sunday morning. What we do here is a product of the way we live our lives throughout the week, at your jobs, in your businesses, in your family, during your retirement even. Worship. How you, how you live in the gospel, how you walk your witness, how, how people see you and perceive you, how you interact with people, whether it's good interaction or conflict, the way that you do it is part of your worship. 
Because it acknowledges God and who he is in your life. So we're going to talk about this morning, Jesus and how when he encountered the Samaritan woman at the well. He walks up to this well and there's one woman by herself at not at the not at the time when everybody else is getting water because she's outcast from her society. She's a Samaritan and Jesus is not. They're not even on the same social scale. They're not even on the same level. They shouldn't even be talking to each other. Of course, you know, Jesus. Jesus is going to talk to you whether you want him to or not. Whether he should, whether the world thinks he should or not. We're going to just pick out a portion of what happened here. Just a small portion of how this interaction went with this Samaritan woman. He's first offering, he's like, look, I'll give you some water that's way more valuable than the water you're getting out of this well. And then, he, and, then he, and then he goes on and tells her all about her sinful life, which surely gets her attention. And then he begins to talk to her here in verse, uh, let's start with actually verse 20. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Flip me to the next slide. My thing's not working. Starting in verse 20, if you have your Bibles open. She says, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where uh, men ought to worship. So here's a Samaritan woman talking to a Jewish man saying, my family, the Samaritans, those of us who are not Jewish, 100 percent, we worship here where we live. We have we've built a little temple to worship. But you people, meaning you Jewish people, say that the only place that's appropriate to worship is in Jerusalem, where God said to worship. Which is a fact, which, was, which at the time was true because the law said, God's law, the way God set it up was, let's build this temple and you bring your sacrifices here. So yes, that was true. According to the law. Of course, if you're not Jewish, you don't live by the law. You don't even know the law. But the Samaritans can look around in the world and see that God is real. And they've heard stories about God in their communities. And they wanted to worship this God. So they built their own place to do so. But they didn't have the law. They just had their emotions. They just had their thoughts and feelings. Here's what Jesus said to her in verses 22 to 24. He says, you worship let me just read 21 also. Women believe, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Verse 23, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So when I read this, we see that he's saying to this woman, he's pointing out the, the facts of the matter. He's saying, okay, we Jewish people... We worship because we know the law. We have God's word. We have all of what Moses gave us. And you, Samaritans, worship 
in spirit, but you don't have the truth. And he's basically saying to her, both are not sufficient. Neither one is going to be sufficient. He's, he's presenting to her what's to come in the future, in, in their future, what's already come in our, in our lives. It's already in place now. He's saying to her, there's going to be a day soon, the hour is coming, verse 23, when true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and truth. Where, where, what you guys have and what we have must be together so that you can truly worship and I taught these girls over the week, over this week, that when you repent, you, you, you be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the promise of God. And it makes, it should make anybody say, okay, why would I need the gift of the Holy Spirit? What's that about? Well, here's, here's a clue. If you're going to be a true worshiper of our Father, of our Lord, you have to have the Spirit. You have to have His Spirit. You also have to have His Word. You have to have His truth. Truth and Spirit go together to make proper and genuine worship. You can know the Bible front to back. You can know everything there is to know about God. But if you don't have the Spirit, there's no, there's no point in your worship. It's fruitless. You can, experience, you can experience all the fuzzy wuzzies you want to and go to whatever teaching that you want to hear about Holy Spirit and all of this, but if you don't know the truth, if you don't know the Word of God, your worship is, is worthless. It's insufficient. We have to have the Spirit of God to understand the truth of God. That's how we understand what truth is. We read the Bible with the Spirit of God in our hearts and in our minds, showing us, okay, here's what this means. And this is how you should apply it. And it should produce fruit in your life. It should produce excitement over the Lord. It should enhance your eagerness to develop more of a relationship with our Savior every day. Think about it, y'all. If you're saved, if you're born again, baptized into Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You've received a gift of the Holy Spirit. You understand all of that. You even, you're fully aware of what you've been forgiven of, right? What, what, what on earth, how on earth could we ever live a moment without inviting God into that moment? It, without communicating with God about any of it. How many, how many days go by for the believers around the world where the busyness of the world causes us to neglect the Spirit of God or the Word of God in our life? And suddenly we're not worshiping anymore. Suddenly we're, our lives are not worshiping His existence or His sacrifice or His love or His presence. He's no longer getting the credit for anything. That, that bottle of water you just drank, God should be thanked. That thought that came to your mind that the Spirit of God helped you bite your tongue over, God should be thanked. Because now I only had to repent over thinking about it and not saying it out loud. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm not the only one. Repentance is worship, y'all. 
Praising God every day is worship. Whatever it is, raising your children, helping with your grandchildren, loving your spouse is an act of worship. Should be talk to God every day about it. What are we going to do today, Lord? Traffic. Let's talk about traffic. You want to? You want to get challenged spiritually? You want to put you want to get challenged to worship God? Go drive on 26 for a little bit. And see what happens. And you'll be praying. You'll be like, Lord, help me, help me not to engage in this road rage. Or Lord, pray for that person right there to gonna kill somebody. Or Lord, forgive me for cutting that person off. Because you know, we're not we're not innocent. We all make mistakes on the road, you know. And, you know, sometimes people say to me, preacher, you can't just think you can't. It can't be that detailed all the time. You can't be thinking about. Yes, we can. God is here all the time. He's with us all the time. He's involved in every little thing. Even when you're just sitting on the front porch, sipping on your sweet tea, not thinking about a thing. I know the ladies don't understand that. But guys, we, we ladies, we can sit and just think about nothing. We can do it. I know y'all can't do it, but we can do it. It's just the way the Lord created us, right? Just sitting there existing sometimes is worshiping the Lord. As long as we're doing it in a way that honors him. And if we live lives where we've developed spiritual habits of worshiping him in the small things. We will take advantage of the big opportunities that he gives us to be a blessing to somebody else. Which is a way bigger worship event in your life. So you see, what happens on Sunday mornings in churches around the world is great, and it needs to be genuine. And it's only genuine when people who have all this together, when they have truth and spirit in their own hearts, and it's developing in a healthy way, when we come together, how much, how much more of a worship time is that? But if we're not, and only Sunday morning is the time we come in and force ourselves to sing songs and praise the Lord and keep looking at the watch because the preacher won't stop. Is that worship? Is it what God would, look, would be looking for? Or is, it, or is it just lip service, honoring Him with our mouth and our lips, but our hearts are far from Him? Now I'm just going to confess something to y'all as your preacher. I don't always get this right, what I'm preaching to you. And I'm telling you that because I want you to know that I understand how difficult it is. Right? There's days when I know you've got to force yourself to come in here. For Bible study or for worship or for anything. There's days when it's just too easy to just, I'll go next week when things are better. There's days when it's easy to just say, you know what, I'm not going to do my devotion this morning because yesterday was bad and I'm just going to sleep in. All I know is the Lord has never called in sick for me. Never had, not one time. Not one time. There's been there's been there's times when every preacher, if they tell you this isn't true, they're lying to you and they need you to repent. There's times when every preacher has to force themselves to come to church on Sunday and preach what God's given them to preach. Because somehow 
the worship got disrupted somewhere about something. And they need the Lord to help them with that. And, and usually when we force ourselves to do the things that God's called us to do, whether it's preaching or some other ministry that y'all engage in, you will watch God heal you from that distance. And you'll find yourself worshiping Him again. Right? You can't look at God without finding reason to worship Him. You can't be near Him without finding reason to worship Him. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it tells us to offer ourselves here. Let me see, I got it over here. It tells us to offer ourselves as living and holy sacrifices. It's our act of worship, it's our spiritual act of worship, it is. It's our life. Every part of our life, it's not, there's no clocking in and clocking out. Y'all notice there's no time clock in the hallway here for y'all to punch in and punch out. And I praise the Lord for the people in this church, for the people online. We got some faithful people online, y'all. It's a handful, but there's some faithful people. They are there. And if they could be here, they would be. And I praise the Lord for that. He needs to be praised for that. Genuine worship is based on truth and it includes the spiritual reaction of that truth in our hearts. You understand that it's more God doing than you doing. Oh, that's why that's why we're saying I surrender all this morning. I, I, I surrender it all to the Lord and whatever he wants to do. Now, let, go back. Uh, give me the next slide. I, I want to talk about a, a little bit more detailed look just to just to. Push the point home and then we'll stop after I read some Psalms. It says the hour is coming and now is when, look, 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 true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. See that? All around the world, almost every church has people who are just showing up. Whatever the case is, whatever the reasons are, they're just putting their name on the attendance roll. And there's nowhere in this Bible, there's nowhere in this Bible that says you get to go to heaven because of how many times you attended church. Church on Sundays or any other day, when the church gets together, it's for the purpose of uh, worshiping God. It's for the purpose of sharing in communion. It's for the purpose of lifting up his name. It's for the purpose of praying together. It's for the purpose of going back into the world and making disciples and preaching the gospel. And I'm, I'm just saying, if we continue to strive to live lives of worshipers, we will find opportunity after opportunity to look a person in the eye and say, do you want to be saved? Because I can help you with that. I was a little bit, I wasn't upset or anything like that, but I was just a little bit jealous of Jay yesterday because I love to baptize people. But those are his girls. He's got to baptize them girls. And I just standing there watching them. I was just like, this is great. This is amazing. I was about to jump in there with them. People who attend Sunday morning worship, look what else it says on that slide. People who attend Sunday morning worship, they ought to be those that the Father seeks. You see what it says? It says such people the Father seeks to be His worshipers. These are the ones God is looking for. He's looking for those who want to worship Him. Nowhere in there does it say 
God is seeking those professional worshipers or those who are really good at it. He's not saying that. He's not saying that. He's saying he's looking for those people who are true worshipers, who worship in truth and in spirit, who have what Jesus died for them to have. I'm telling you, look, y'all, look, look, I'm, 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 I'm going to give you an example and then I'm going to quit. You have to make it personal before you can engage in the corporate worship. It has to be a personal worship before you can come in here and contribute to what the church is doing. I'm not saying stay home until you get it right. I'm just saying if you want to be a part of what the church is doing in the congregation, you have to spend every other minute of the of the week worshiping God. And if we do that, we can't we're going to be early to church, y'all. Every one of you be early. I can't wait to get to church so I can share with what the Lord's been doing in my life. So I can testify about what the things that God has been doing this week so I can share and worship God with the other believers. We should be fighting each other to stand up and do what Mr. Frank just did a while ago. He just stood up and testified about BBS. Isn't that right? He just said what he just said what he knew was true. He said what happened to him. He said the value. And I appreciate that. That's worship. David, you know, David was a man after God's own heart. You've heard that, right? That means he was the apple of God's eye. They don't say that in the Bible, but that's what it means. There's a man who loved God. There's a man who chased after God's ways. There's a man who was faithful, for the most part, in loving God. He wasn't always faithful in doing the right things, of course. Did you know the Psalms, the book of Psalms, all the Psalms, is the biggest book in the Bible? And it's all about praise and worship. You know that? All right, y'all pay attention. I'm, you can write these down on, you can go into the next slide. Write these down on your bulletin there. You don't have to look them up unless you want to get there quick. I just want you to hear these words. Because this is David. These are some examples of David interacting with God in such a way that causes him to be a worshiper. Causes him to be a worshiper. This is how we should talk to God. In verse uh, 1 through 4 of, chapter, of, of, of Psalm 9, it says, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell all, of, of all your wonders. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before you. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne judging righteously. This is how David is talking to our father about his life. Do we talk to God that way? Look at Psalm 16, verses 7 through 11. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. Nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known the, the, to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. Even reading this right now to you all out loud, even though I've already read it a few times in the last couple of days, convicts me about how I talk to God. Is our relationship with him, would it be recognized as worship 
in the eyes of God. Psalm 86, verses 1 through 7, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am afflicted and needy. That sounds more like me. <laughs> Preserve my soul, for I am a godly man. O you, my God, save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you I cry all day long. Make glad the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are God, excuse me, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and give heed to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you for you will answer me. And then finally, in verse uh, chapter 139, Psalm 139, verse one to six says, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with my ways, all my ways. Even before there is a, a, a word on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Now, let me tell you all something. We don't talk like David did, do we? That's pretty poetic, the way he was writing those things down. What we need to see is David's heart and how he laid his heart bare before the Lord in all of these. These are just a few of David's writings in, in, in how he talked to the Lord. See, God sent Jesus to die on the cross so that you could be his, so that you could have an, a relationship with him. You could have access to him. You could tell him everything he needs to know. Everything he already knows. Everything he wants you to talk to him about because he's ready to communicate with you. And I can tell you this from personal experience, every time we get into we get into this prayer life, this way of living where we're constantly interacting with the one who is with us always, we, we come out of that with reason to praise Him and worship Him. With reason to say, praise the Lord, because He's always hearing me. He's always responding. we got to get to the point where, where God says no when we want Him to say yes, and we still say, praise the Lord. I know every one of y'all silently went, come on, preacher. <laughs> That's what it is, isn't it? I gave y'all uh, a challenge of a month or so ago. It's been a little while. Give y'all them little index cards. Invited you to write down some names of people that aren't saved in your life. I hope that you did that, and I hope that those things are still in your Bible, and I hope that you are talking to God about those people. And I hope that God is showing you some things. And maybe even one day we get to praise God because one of them gets saved. Isn't that going to be great? That's what we're here for. That's what it's all about. The personal worship, it's a lifestyle. When we have this personal worship going like the way the Lord wants us to have it, we're going to come in here and guess what? The church will be on fire for the Lord. You won't be able to stop it. Here it is, and I'm closing with this. Genuine worship is what God seeks, according to our scripture for this morning. It's what God's looking for. God's not interested in lip service. He's not interested in going through the motions. Jesus didn't go through the motions. It was a real deal what he did on the cross. 
It's what God seeks. Genuine worship is what God uses to make disciples in this world. That's how people meet God. That's how people start trusting that maybe this God really is real. Because these people over here, they're worshiping this God. And it really is real. So maybe I want to know what that's about. And then finally, genuine worship is what God uses to preach the gospel in this world. You 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 can read scripture to somebody all day long, every day. You can start sending out mass emails and text messages about Jesus loves you and you should repent to people. You can, you can, you can stand up here and preach every day, every other, take a, take a lunch and come back and preach more. But if you don't believe it, nobody's going to believe it. If it's not real in your life, nobody's going to care. Right? I can, I feel, I, I believe, bear with me, I believe, and I haven't proven it yet, but I believe that I can get most vegetarians to like ribs. <laughs> Just by talking to them. That's how much I love ribs. Think about that on the gospel level, y'all. How much, how much, how much do you know Jesus? How, how much has God done in your life that you could talk about with somebody? How much, how many, how much, how is it that when we get in the, in, in the middle of a crowd of people who aren't in this room on Sunday morning, suddenly we, we start maybe shrinking back a little bit. Not, not that we don't believe, it's just the anxiety builds up, doesn't it? We get scared. What if they reject? What if they don't like what I believe? What if they get mad? What if we're not friends anymore? What if they go to hell? See? Preaching the gospel, sharing your witness, loving people is how we worship our Lord. All right, so let's stand together and pray. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you don't know the Lord, you should repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. You can do that today if you want. Let's stand together and sing.